Hi, I'm Holly. And I'm Haley. Welcome to Mountain Mysteries, Tales from Appalachia. I've um, decided that I am going to be, uh, what do they call when you're like the unmarried aunt? Spinster. The spinster. <laughs> I am oh, the God. spinster of my family. So every time I hear the term spinster, I think of a woman with like a loom. You know, <laughs> like, like a some, spitter? Like a spitter, like a weaving <laughs> loom of sorts who's like, ah, oh, I'm the spinner spinster. Like, I just. <gasps> That's so fun. Oh, for sure. But I just think of, like, you know, maybe the lady who's in her house with cats and Jeopardy and goes to it. Oh. Oh. Oh, never mind. So do you have a loom? I don't have a loom, but I recently took up... What is that? It's not needlepoint. It's... Crochet? Not crochet. It's the... um, You were in a text thread about it. We had this conversation. We did. It's, um, hang on, I'm finding it. I'm going to find the text. Please hold. <laughs> so sad. Please hold. She's we text get her, about our... She's got to get her loom out, boys and I got to get my loom. Hold tight. It was with she, our other friend. It was. Um, Who, you know what? I would love our friend to make a guest appearance. Embroidery. Embroidery. She can bring her embroidery. You know what I want? I want to get some stockings um, with some names yeah. embroidered on it. I wonder if she could do it for you. I wonder, because I was looking, you know, locally, and there's, like, embroidery mm-hmm. places that'll do it, but it's probably crazy expensive, expensive, and they probably won't have it done by the time I want to hang them up, which is, like, ASAP. Right. So, I'm thinking, yeah, maybe we can reach out to our friend and, and have her, if she's willing. Yeah. Look yeah. at that, I'm pimping her out for work. And, you know. <laughs> we definitely want to have, though, I'd like your segue there into guest uh, appearances. We've got a couple of folks lined up that um want to come on the podcast i can't wait so uh it's also just our like own selfishness of wanting to <laughs> be around to our share. friends and yeah and of course you know it's gonna be covid friendly be super covid friendly be super cautious continue to wear your masks always this is your covid psa you're welcome <laughs> thank you Haley. now to you sid and weather um, so, I don't know if you guys know this, but you are actually here for a true crime story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Isn't that shocking? It is. It is. Uh, so, for this story, we are true rapes and on back to October of 1994. All right? Okay. Haley, here we go. So, you guys know how I do what was going on in the world. I always do the number one song. Haley, the number one song, and I don't know if you know this, um, I'll Make Love to You by Boys to Men. Do you know this song? No. Oh my gosh. That like kills me in so many ways. I'm so sorry. So uh, Boys to Men was like in the 90s, they were the biggest male group. Okay. We, my friends and I were all big Boys to Men fans. Um, they had great harmonies. Their voices are amazing. So the song was, I'll make love to you like you. Oh, I do know this song. Yes. Yes. Okay. I I needed a few bars. Thank you. Oh my gosh. We would sing this all the time. This is a great song. Mm -hmm, All right. mm -hmm. So this is the number one song in October of uh, 94. 
Um, also, NASA loses radio contact with their spacecraft Magellan, um, and it ends up descending into the atmosphere, and they presume that it burned up. Oh. Yeah, so not too good. And also, Iraq um, is in a disarmament crisis, so they are told to withdraw troops from their border with Kuwait. Now, remember, again, this is pre-9-11. Okay. So a lot of these things, this is also post the Iraqi war. Really love that I'm getting a history lesson. So I don't know if you knew this, but history was my minor in my undergrad. Was it really? I, I love history. I thought it was Spanish. So Spanish was supposed to be my minor. And then when I got to Spanish 5, they were like, yeah, there's like 37 million ways to conjugate a verb. And I was like, bye, Felicia. And I had enough credits for history. So history became my <laughs> minor. And my concentration was Spanish. Well, so you speak pretty pretty okay Spanish, right? It's okay. Yeah. And um, several of my friends are fluent. And, and you know, we, we speak to each other um, sometimes. They're helping me. Yeah, I, I got nothing. I can do yeah, like, those manual. Uh, yes. All right. So back to what we were talking about. Um, all right. So we are in October of 1994. Okay. All right. I want to give you a warning before I even get into the story that we are talking about um, children. This is a story mm. of children who go missing um, and things that end up happening to them. So if you are very sensitive um, to events that end up happening to children, please um, beware and, and just, you know, make sure you get a safe space. Make sure yeah. that, you know, if you're, if you're going to this. is not this. the podcast for you if you are right, right. upset about children. Yeah. And, and I mean, listening to this is very, very hard. Yeah. Um, certainly. So we understand. So we understand. Click away. Absolutely. We take no offense. And she says this because this is my episode. <laughs> She's like, oh, just click away. I was away. like, it's fine. It's just fine. click away, but come back for mine. <laughs> We'll talk about more dismemberment. Oh, my God. It was Fitzgerald. Okay. Mm. We haven't talked about him in a long time. Missed that guy. You know, I missed that SOB, too. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald. Okay, I'll stop. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and proceed with this story. You have been warned. You're welcome. All right, so... We have a uh, recently single mom. She and her husband um, had decided to separate, and they actually just filed for divorce. Mm. So she is working as a secretary at a local mill um, in a small town in South Carolina where she's lived her entire life. She has had a pretty crappy day at work. Um, Mm. She actually even asked her boss, like, can I, you know, you mind if I just leave early? I'm just not feeling good. I'm not in a good space. Been Um, there. Yeah. Same. And her boss says, yeah, sure. You know, take care of yourself. So she has two small children. Um, two children under the age of uh, three. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. And she's very young, too. She's only 23 years old. So she goes to the local daycare and she picks up her kids. Um, still feeling super down, she sits in the parking lot of the local tavern and actually talks to one of her friends who works at the tavern. Okay. Um, just kind of, you know, discussing things that have happened. She's just not feeling really great. Like I said, she's in a bad emotional state. So she goes home, she makes the kids um, some pizza, they hang out for a little while, and about 7.30, 8 o'clock, she's still just just in such a bad place that she mm. decides, you know what I need? I need to just get out. 
I need to drive. I just need to kind of clear my head. And of course, you can't leave the kids at home alone. Right. So she puts the kids in the car seats and she heads out. She's thinking, maybe I'll go to my mom's house. Maybe I'll go see a friend of mine. Well, she never makes it. Oh, no. She is at a traffic light about two miles from Main Street in town. Okay. When an African-American male approaches the car, gets in a passenger seat, and holds a gun to her and says, drive or I'll kill you. Oh, my God. So she's being carjacked. Ah. Um, Terrified. Absolutely terrified. She's got a gun to her ribs. She's Her children are screaming and yelling in the background. I mean, it's just chaotic. Mm. He tells her to drive. She drives several miles um, into kind of a dark, desolate area, and he tells her, get out. Oh. She gets out of the car, and before she can react, he gets over into the driver's seat, and he drives off. <gasps> her children are in the car. Oh, my gosh. So, panic-stricken, she goes to the first house she sees with the light on, and she's banging at the door. It's a husband and wife. They answer the door. She's telling them, my babies, my babies. You know, they call 911. So, in the report to 911, she explains that, you know, African-American male, her two children, how old they were, in the car seat. She drives a 1990 maroon Mazda Protégé. Um, so quickly the police come. Right. She gives them a description of the man. They do one of the little drawings and they put it out. And the whole community has really rallied around. Yeah. And they are searching for these boys. Um, oh. You know, this is not common in this small town to have something like this happen. Yeah. Um, this is huge. And so um, she actually calls her boss and says, listen, I'm not going to be into work the next day. And the boss says, yeah, was everything okay? And she says, my babies, you know, my kids yeah, are missing. Yeah, they've been this kidnapped. Is, yeah, this is, you know. Um, so, of course, the boss is like, oh, gosh. So this ends up making national headlines. Yeah, um, She is imagine. on Good Morning America. And... She and her husband have been separated, but this actually brings them back together um, because they both love their children, want to find them. Um, So they are passionately on news channels trying to get the word out about their kids missing, Mm. hoping that they'll be able to find them. You know, what a scary premise. Yeah. Thinking like, are they okay? Oh. You know. That's um, so. Oh, God. And being so little. Yeah. You know. Um, so the police, you know, are working very hard trying to find out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Some things that they notice is that the sketch of the individual um, whom mom had um, detailed was very generic. Hmm. And it kind of could have been anybody. There weren't any, you know, particular features. And she says, no, I got a really good look at him. Um, But nothing really made him stand out. He could have been anybody. Yeah. Um, So, of course, they brought in the husband. Um, They interviewed him. They actually asked him if he'd be willing to take a polygraph. Just because okay. that's just what you do in situations like yeah. this. You know, you want to make sure the parents aren't, you know, responsible. Involved. Uh, yeah. Exactly. And so dad's like, sure, why not? Um, so dad takes it. He's clear. Everything's good. Mom comes in. Um, you know, she's interviewed. She tells the story. And they start to find some gaps in mom's story. Okay. Things start changing in her story. Things about where and when and how and who and, you know, uh, this happened. No, 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 it happened this way. Oh, no, he held the gun this way. 
things start changing. Do you think maybe it was because she was just super stressed or... Now, that definitely could have been. Okay. If, you know, let's assume that for, okay. for a few. All right. Okay. So, she's, she's just grief-stricken. She probably hasn't slept overwhelmed with emotion mm-hmm. and she's getting all these questions fired at you yeah. now you can understand it's it's hard to even put two words together yeah and here you are being grilled and you're like my babies you mm-hmm. know that would be very hard however if you all um are finding some details about this case very familiar that is because this is the story of susan smith <gasps> i thought okay I was like, this sounds so familiar. And it was, I'm just, it was driving me crazy. I was about to start Googling things because I was like, geez, like, this Google. sounds so familiar. So I wanted to present it this way because this is how Susan told the story. Right. And she actually had fooled the world. Yeah. I mean, because I was this story went worldwide, yeah. not just nationally, but worldwide. Um, so, Everybody was like, oh my gosh, these boys. Oh, you know, communities, state, other people from other states were coming to help Mm -hmm. search for these children, you know. Um, You hear these parents who are impassioned and my babies, you know. Some things that um, people noticed was that in some of the interviews, she wasn't even crying. Sometimes she even seemed to be laughing. So what mother who is in absolute distress and panic over her children's safety would be laughing or um, like essentially crying crocodile tears. So crying without crying (laughs) kind of cry. And I mean, I think both of us in the fields that we work in, we've seen people have weird reactions in super emotional situations. Definitely. Definitely. But they're, you know... With, I think with both of our backgrounds and training, we can kind of tell when it's genuine and when it's not. Right. So. And I think that a lot of people also had that experience and they felt something was off. Mm. Now, the feedback on dad, David Smith, was that he seemed genuinely distraught. Mm. Um, and that mom seemed very disingenuous in her pleas to bring my babies home. Mm. So the police noted this as well. So they interviewed her multiple times. Right. Um, and even in one interview, they said, you know, look, Susan, we know you did this. We oh. know you know what happened, what really happened. We know you're lying. She was, you know, how could you say that? I would never do anything to hurt my babies. And she, you know, kind of keeps that going. Yeah. Um, and they're like, oh, we think that we got her. They let her go. They bring her back again. At this point, this is day nine. So we're looking at November, um, in and around November 3rd, 1994. Oh, nine days since, since the kids are missing. Yeah. Exactly. So finally, they interview her again and... She um, ends up saying, okay, yes, I lied. There was not a man who came to carjack me. That did not happen. I made that up. And the police say, okay, Susan, where are the children? And she says, in the lake. Oh, God. 
So here's the real story. Uh, so, not okay. only is she a liar, but she's racist. Oh, she's a liar, she's racist, and we're about to find out they're in the lake. Yeah. So they're not alive. Right. So she's a killer. She's a murderer as well. Of her own children. Oh my god. Okay. Hit me with more. Emphaside? Isn't that what that's called? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Emphaside. Emphaside. Infanticide. Infanticide. I don't know. We're going to have to look that up. We will. We're we're every bit deserving of those masters. Um, our real college hard for those. just called and asked They're for them back. They're so proud of us. They are super proud. And you're welcome. <laughs> um, anyway, so she's got a lot going on here. A lot to really not like her about. Um, so she tells the story that, um, you know how I said that she was at work and she was depressed? Yeah. She had been in a relationship with, so she worked at this textile mill as a Mm -hmm. secretary. So the owner of the textile mill, the CEO, um, his son, um, she was dating. His name was Tom Finley. Okay. Um, They kind of were in an on and off again relationship. Um, They weren't having a romantic relationship at that point because she was still trying to get divorced from her husband. Okay. And he just didn't feel like that was fitting. Gotcha. She'd written him a letter of, like, admiration and love, um, and he wrote her a letter back saying, listen, I think you're smart, I think you're great, I think you're all these things, but it's not going to work out between us because you have children. Ooh, rejection. Totally. And she was, like, love-obsessed with this guy, Mm. and that just tore her to pieces. And this poor guy. Right? Like, imagine how awful he feels. Totally. Like Because, I mean, I think that's... I think that's fair if, like, you don't want kids because you can't date somebody with kids and be like, well, I want to be involved in your life, but I don't want anything to do with your kids. Like, that's not fair. Well, and to to also be fair in the relationship, um, you should keep it zipped. You knew she had kids. (laughs) This is, yeah, that's true. Keep your pants zipped. And not even start anything. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's not like... (laughs) I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. So, um... So he gives her the brush off letter. You know? It's the old school version of the text brush off. (laughs) See, I just ghost him. Uh, I'm a ghoster. Same. Stop responding. Same. (laughs) Just like, ooh, just getting by. I can take out my own damn trash. (laughs) And I can. (laughs) But no, definitely being a ghoster. Mm-hmm. Um, so he gives her this letter. She reacts um, obviously very badly to it. She is, you know, just distraught. She is also distraught um, because she recently revealed to him um, another relationship that had kind of gone awry. Um, her sexual relationship with her stepfather. Ooh, there's a lot of layers to unpack in that one. Since Susan was 16 years old, 15 or 16, she had been having a sexual relationship with her stepfather. So, um, when a child is under 18 years old, I don't care. That is not a consensual relationship. And between a stepfather, I mean, I understand that they're not related. Right, but you're but still, still taking on a paternal role. A paternal role that is a position of you. power. That is, at the very least, coercion. Oh, at the very least. At the least. very least. At the extreme rape. Rape. Right. Like, which is probably 
more accurate. Legally what it was. Right. Gross. Okay. Continue. So I guess she continued on in adulthood having this liaison, this relationship with him. So she had admitted this to Tom. Um, And she had also told Tom that she was fearful that her husband, David, um, who knew about this, would make it public. She had threatened her quite a bit, um, and she was genuinely scared of him. I don't know if it was fearful of he would take custody. I don't really know. Uh, fearful of him, like, being abusive. I, I don't know really what all that was. Um, There's a lot of layers here. There are a lot of layers. So, um, anyway, but Tom is like, woo, this is drama. I can't deal with all this. Gotta so, go. Yeah. She doesn't take this well and thinks, okay, maybe he would want me. If I didn't have these children. But she also is thinking, maybe I have nothing to live for anyway. She's feeling really down on herself, like I said, the whole day. And when she went to the local tavern, she was talking with her friend who worked there to say, listen, listen, if he comes in, like, you know, listen and see if he says anything about me, okay? And, and you know, I just kind of want to know, like, where he's at and what he's thinking and all these things. Mm. So... When she's at home making pizza for the kids, she actually calls the friend, and the friend says, yeah, Tom's here. And she says, has he said anything about me? The friend says, no. Oh, burn. This is more insult to injury. Yeah. And she's thinking, okay, screw it. I have nothing to live for. Um, I just want you to know that her father actually committed suicide when she was six years old, uh, five weeks after her parents divorced. Her biological father committed suicide. At age 13, Susan herself attempted suicide by taking a mix of Tylenol and Advil. So there's some, probably some genetic things going on Definitely. here. There's some... Significant depression. And some significant trauma. Um, right. Yeah. That's a recipe for disaster. On plans. Um, and in her uh, mid to late teens, she was actually impregnated by a married man. She had an abortion. Um, and mm. after the abortion, he didn't want any ties to her. And so she again attempted to commit suicide. So this is God. a pattern within her life. Yeah. So she's decided, you know what? He doesn't want me. I'm going to kill myself and kill my kids. So... Spur of the moment, she makes this plan. I'm going to drive to the lake, which is called John D. You know, Long Lake. Okay, uh, it's named after a man. So she drives to this lake, and there's a boat ramp. Um, so it's kind of you can actually drive into it. You would put your boat into right, it, right. So it's like the where you back up and 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 put your boat, and then you go yeah. exactly. Okay. So it's kind of like an incline, not really you know a steep hill, right? But a bit right. Of an incline. So she decides, you know, I'm going to put my car in neutral at the top of the incline and it's going to go into the water and this is how I'm going to kill myself and my two children, Michael, age three, Alex, age 14 months. Um, and I'm just going to end it all for all of us. Oh my it's gonna God. Be over. So we won't be a bother to anybody. Ugh. She um, puts it in neutral and then she'll stop it. And then she'll reverse it and she'll keep doing this. This happens multiple times over and over because she kind of chickens out. On the last time, she puts the car in neutral and the car rolls and rolls and rolls. The last minute she gets out. And leaves the kids in there. Leaves the kids in the car. 
Okay, so we're getting into a part um, that is very upsetting, so I just want to give you a warning. The car rolls into the water with the kids strapped inside their car seats, unable Uh to get out. The car slowly fills with water. It takes a long time for this car to fill up with water. In the meantime, she can hear her two children screaming and fighting to try and get out of the car seat, screaming her name, Mama, 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 Mama. The car flips over and finally sinks. She watches until it sinks. She watches until it sinks to the bottom. She goes to the local house, tells them to call 911, and has created this story. When they pulled, they, of course, you know, the police went and they had divers. When they pulled the car from the river, the first thing that the diver saw in the window of the back seat was a child's hand against the window. Uh. They pulled their bloated bodies from the car. They were still in their car seats. And in there with the kids was a teddy bear. Uh. Um, it just, I, it, it hurts me and upsets me in so many ways just to hear they were screaming for her and crying for her. What mother, what mother would not go in there and be like, I don't care. You know, she said she was going to kill herself in the first place. You go in there and you save your children. Like, anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Whew. I just... Uh, That's my, like, mama bear coming out there. I need a... I, need um, a, I don't know what I need. <laughs> it's it's a lot. That, yeah. So, um, she ends up being charged with two counts of murder. Good. Obviously, right? Um, so, her trial begins in the summer of 1995. Um, she kind of, her defense is that, you know, mental instability, like she's not pleading not guilty. So she's pleading guilty to it, but she also is bringing up her history, which look, we all know, well, a lot of us know, I say we all, I take that for granted. (laughs) A lot of us know, um, that adverse childhood experiences Things that happen to us really early on in life, the traumas that we have affect us later on. Right. Affects, you know, how we interact with people, affects our brain development, affects how we achieve academically. All these things are affected by things that happen to us when we're very, very young. It's scientifically proven. Look it up. Probably had a real high ACE score. She probably did. And that's what we call um, adverse childhood experiences. They're called ACEs. Um, So the higher your score, the more trauma you experienced early on in life. And the more kind of predisposed you are to having things like, I think it goes into a lot of different... Promiscuity. Yeah. um, Increased... Yeah. Risk for addiction, depression, PTSD. Suicidality. Yeah. Um, It's super interesting if you've never looked at like an ACE chart. It, it helps, I think, explain behavior. Not Please. excuse behavior. Not excuse, but explain. Explain behavior. I totally agree. I totally agree. So definitely that's something to look into if you're interested um, in more um, psychology. Please yeah. do look into that. 
Um, so going back, um, her trial has taken place. We've got Tom who gets up on the witness stand. He testifies. He talks about the breakup. He digs in deep to the whole relationship with the stepfather. Um, she is kind of portrayed in multiple ways here. Some of the men whom she's had relationships with, uh, get up on the stand and testify that she's a vixen. Okay. Um, an adulteress, you know, they kind of said that she is lascivious, that she sort of, um, you know, manipulates them and has this swagger to her that that's just kind of uncontrollable, you know. Which, I mean, in her situation, probably. But I think, I think that's a, I don't know. I think just because a woman wants to express her sexuality and have multiple partners and like that's her prerogative and do what you want but yeah definitely in the situation it sounds like it was probably not you know there's a lot of other layers happening well and also you know she experienced sexual abuse in her life so there's also that message of this is how i get love Right, yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, She was also portrayed as a lovesick secretary, Mm. um, that she was maybe money power hungry because she was dating, you know, the owner of the textile mill's son. Um, Some people portrayed her as the scared wife because she said she was scared and intimidated of her husband, David. Um, A lot of people said she was a very manipulative, skillful liar. Mm-hmm. Um, some people said, oh, she was just such a loving mother. And then ultimately she was betrayed as the, portrayed as the abused child. So, I mean, there were just so many areas um, of her life that was being drawn out. And actually her stepdad gets up on the witness stand. Jeez. Now this is interesting. He gets up on the witness stand and, you know, he and his wife are separated. Okay. Linda. This is Susan's mother. They're separated. He gets up and says, yes, we had a sexual relationship. Dang. Yes, it started when she was 16 years old. Yikes. And yes, I am part of the Christian Coalition and the South Carolina Republican Party and into these politics. Whoa. Right? So he just got up there and aired out. All his laundry. I mean, at least he got up and he put his hand on the Bible and he told the truth. I mean, yeah, I there's mean, I'll credit give him that. in that. I'm assuming, I'm hoping that the political party he was affiliated with was like, bye. I, yes. Would strongly hope for that. Uh, yes. I hope so, too. Yeah. Uh, we are no longer affiliated with, and his name was Beverly Russell. Okay. I don't know if he's still living or not. Um, Cut ties uh, with him a little bit. Right. Um... But, you know, ultimately, he sexually abused, uh, she she was a victim at 16 years old. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no, there's no escaping ex- that. No, there's she no was excuse a victim, for that. Um, definitely. So he gets up and talks about that. Um, and there's just a little more detail about her life. She she was, you know, obviously a little more promiscuous. Mm-hmm. Um, she had multiple relationships, multiple partners, you know. Yeah. And we talked about this. Um, she ends up in early 1991 um, meeting David, whom they worked together at a local grocery store. Okay. Um, she and David just kind of clicked. She winds up getting pregnant in early 1991. Um, and so her family's like, okay, well, we need to 
get you married. Oh. Uh, yeah, get you married up right now, girl. Uh-huh. So she ends up marrying David in March of 1991, and their son Michael was born in October. Okay. They separate in March of 92, um, and each of them start dating different people. Um, and they kind of have an on-again, off-again, which includes a sexual relationship. Okay. She's also dating another man um, okay. at the time. Yep. and Do what you want. By November of 1992, she is pregnant again. All right. All right. So she and David get back together, um, and their son is born in August of 1993. That's their son, Alex. Okay. Alexander. Um, short time later, they separate again. And they file for divorce in September of 94. So this is a month before. So if you think about it, there is a lot that has happened in a very short time period in her life. Yeah. She's continuing the liaison with her stepfather. She's had this relationship with Tom. She's had a relationship with this other man. She and her husband are divorcing. She has these two young children. Um, And we also throw into the fact, we don't know, just with um, trauma history and her own mental health... Was she also suffering from a little PTSD, maybe some um, postpartum depression? Could have been, you know, who knows? Some of that too, yeah. Right. Um, So there's really a lot to unpackage and unfold here. This crime was so big. Yeah. And actually... They turned on her. The media turned on her where, you know, for a while they, you know, were supportive in those nine days. They quickly turned on her. Mm -hmm. Um, She was getting hissed at, called at, like, you know, when she would go in and out of the courthouse. Um, And you can actually see videos of it. that She would cover her head. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember this case extremely well um, because, you know, it was on all of our news. We watched it all the time. Uh, We all waited for the verdict. So the jury deliberated. She was found guilty on two counts of murder. Okay, good. And um, her husband, David, actually was a proponent of the death penalty, and he said, you know, I want her to get the death penalty. Oh, wow. You know, that's that's a tough one because, you know, it's a woman that you were married to, but at the same time, she murdered your children. Yeah. You know? Um, she did not get the death penalty. She was sentenced to 30 years to life with... Parole as an option in 2024. Why? So, well, they said after serving 30 years. You know, I think that they heard her trauma history. And they were like, well, you know, maybe there's a reason behind the behavior. Maybe there's some other things going on. Maybe she needs some rehabilitation. You know, she should pay for this crime. But, and the... Possibility of parole does not mean she's going to get it. Uh, it yeah, that's just true. means it's on the table. Yeah. So, okay. I want to tell you really quickly about her time in prison. Okay. Um, so she has spent the last almost 30 years in prison. She has not been a model prisoner hmm. at all. Imagine that. Susan has gotten in trouble five different times and was written up. Um, things like drugs. Um, oh, God. And she has had sexual intercourse um, with two different officers the ceos okay so let's definitely not add drugs into this mix um because that's not that's good a for anybody other, no also again with the abuse of power right like i mean i almost am of the mindset of we shouldn't be writing her up for sleeping with the officers we should be writing the officers up right because well, 
gross. And one of the officers, um, this was actually the second officer that she had slept with, he basically said, well, she manipulated me, she seduced me. Uh, well, dude, you, you put your pants down. Like, Right, on, it takes two know, to tango. For sure. Like, However, no. something interesting about it is um, not long after the liaison, she admitted to um, whomever it is um, that, the warden or whomever, that she had had this liaison with these two men. She also said, well, I feel like you need to move me to another prison because I don't feel safe. But they move her to another prison that she wanted to go to because it was closer to her home so her parents could come visit her, her family could come visit her. So was this a, I actually don't feel safe, or was this a whole, like, all right, I'm going to use this? That's really up to you. It's what you think. Uh, All right. Was it a manipulation? Was it truth? We don't know. So, um, she has not been a really good prisoner, um, but here lately, in the last several years, suddenly, she has been a model prisoner. Oh, I'm and sure she has. Why do you think that is, Haley? Because we're really coming up close on that, uh, 2024. We sure are. Parole we are date. four years away from her potential parole, and let me tell you what, she is sweeter than pie. Do you think she can hold it together? For the four years? I don't know. She hasn't been able to hold it together in the time that she's been in prison. Yeah. Either she'll be, you know, I don't know. Hmm. It'll be interesting to see. I will be. And uh, her husband, David, has reported that um, he will go to the probation hearing yeah. and advocate for her to continue the rest of her life in prison. I'm sure there'll be several folks that come and testify Quite to that. Quite a few. Quite a few. Um, so that's really where we end on this story. Um, this is a famous story. Yeah. Um, and I can tell you after this happened, because it's not terribly far, so Union County, South Carolina is about 50 miles north of Columbia, which is the mm-hmm. capital of South Carolina. My family and I actually went down there. We went to the lake. Um, oh, wow. And they had a memorial set up for the boys. Oh, wow. um, this was This was 90, early 94. Five, I think. Um, and so we went, we actually took photos just to, you know, in some way honor these children. Like, oh my gosh. And we sort of had that moment of silence and it was surreal. Yeah. It was surreal. So it's like, it's a, it's a situation that's impacted folks even as far north as where we are. Absolutely. And I still think about it and, you know, that whole perspective of like, your children. Yeah, those were your babies. How can you not hear your children calling for you and not... Yeah. I can't, you know? Yeah. Like, I did get yeah, just so emotional in that part. It's That's tough. Yeah. That's, that is so tough. And I mean, these were children that she had... You know, these were her biological children. Not that the bond between, you know, adopted kids is any different. But I just... I can't imagine having, you know... Like you had, like you, you felt them. Like felt them move, you, you felt them, them move. You. This is, I, nah, yeah, well, yeah, I don't want to. They're calling for you. I don't want to go there. Um, and so <laughs> David, her, her husband, they did divorce officially. He remarried and ended up having two daughters um, who are grown now. Um, but he still um, continues his 
uh, yearly vigils for Michael and Alex. Um, they're never far from his thoughts. He visits their graves quite often. Um, he talks to his daughters about them. They're still a really big part of his life. Um, yeah, so he imagine. honors them. Absolutely. Um, yeah, this is the end of this, like, sick, gruesome story. Um, Thank God. Yes, right? <laughs> and I, I don't want anybody out there thinking, like, oh, well, they're just sympathetic to that woman. Um, because I think that killing your children is the most heinous. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I can't even. Um, but yeah. I, you know, we do go back to... Um, I think with any of our stories that we tell, I, I think we both really tried to and it's partially because of our backgrounds and just because I think we both find it interesting and hope that you guys do as well but trying to find some type of reasoning behind it not that any of it's going to make sense to us because our brains don't work that way but trying to like we said we're not excusing behavior and it's not even a rationalization no it's just trying to figure out the what psychology behind it circumstances led up to this like what what makes a person do what they do right yeah and i think you know i've always been fascinated by criminal psychology and absolutely those the nature were, versus nurture right like kind of that whole mm-hmm. you know how wrong do things have to go that we end up here Exactly. And how could it have been prevented? And actually, if anything, that's the key to all of this, is how can we help with prevention? How can we help? And if you look into ACE scores, um, there's ways with children who are young to build resiliency. Um, And so, oh, I didn't mention this. She had actually admitted uh, to her mother when she was a teenager that this was going on with stepdad. And... DSS got involved for a oh, while, wow. and stepdad was not allowed to be in the house. Okay. And somehow some things kind of fell through the cracks, and he was allowed to come back, and his oh, victimization man. continued. Um, so it's just really unfortunate. Yeah. I feel like had things really been in place for her... Um, it sounds like also there were some systems involved that probably failed her as well. And, yes. And, you know, as unfortunate as that is, it, it happens yeah. Um, but again, I think we're all only human and can only, you know, do as much as we can. But it's it is unfortunate that the systems that sometimes are set up to help do this prevention work that's so important um, fail. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. So that is the story of Susan Smith and man, oh man. Whew, the that's, mood that's is actually, low. That's a hard one. That's yeah. a really hard one. Um, how we come back from that? Yeah. How do we come back from? You know how we come back from that? How do we do? Haley, you get to tell me about episode number twelve. Whoa, episode number twelve. What is this one about? We I, I can't wait. Are taking it pretty far north, actually. Um, we're gonna go to Pennsylvania. Yay, I love Pennsylvania. Yeah, which is, um, before anybody uh, starts saying, like, I thought you were about Appalachia, um, Appalachia actually extends um, all the way up into Maine. Yeah, Georgia to Maine. Georgia to Maine. So we can cover stories anywhere from Georgia to Maine here kind of on the east Mm -hmm. coast. So don't get us started. Yeah, don't come at us. (laughs) Don't come at us. (laughs) Actually, do come at us because then we would know that you're real. Yes. Actually, come at us. Shoot us an email. Shoot. You like that? Podcast. Crime podcast. Oh, Shoot. my God. Get it. 
actually, Haley seems to like stabbing better. So stab <laughs> Haley an email. Yeah. Stab me an email. Stab um, her an email. You can do that at mountainmysteries.appalachian at gmail.com. Um, you can follow us on Facebook at Mountain Mysteries Tales from Appalachia. And give us a follow on Instagram at mountainmysteries.appalachia. And Holly has informed me that I get to have the very special honor of uh, shouting out our location of the week. And I pulled up, and I know last week we said that we were going to shout out um, somebody from out of the country. And I don't want to butcher the names, but I will shout out Australia as a whole. Good day, mate. And our listeners in Australia, thank you. Um, but the also, dingo wanted... ain't my baby. Oh no, my I'm god! Sorry. We just goodbye, Australia. I'm so sorry. It we was understand. fun while it lasted. We understand if you're gone. It's all right. Um, also, want to shout out uh, Dallas, Texas. Hey, y'all. Sorry, hey. Dallas. What? <laughs> I love it. I love That's it. Pretty much it. anything. At least you know. I love the word y'all. It's it's a cool... I, for the longest time, stayed away from it. You'll find... I did, too. ...that I say guys a lot. Yeah, you kind of pull that kind of Midwestern. I do. I Guys, and um, I, I'll say you all. You all? Yeah. But not like a youth guys, but like a, you know, you all. What do you all think? Or I'll say, all right, guys, you ready? Yeah. I like y'all because it, it incorporates all of the pronouns... <laughs> It does. And I could just say y'all and not be like ladies and gentlemen. That is true. For our friends that do not identify us either. That is true. I can just say y'all and I cover everybody. That is a good idea. And that's why I love y'all. I just use it. Look at us in the South being progressive. That's unheard of. Right? (laughs) Using Um, our y'alls. I think my great grandmother used to say Ewan's. Ewans? Ewans. Oh, I've or heard yuns. 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 Oh, yuns? I've yuns? heard yuns. yuns. Yuns? Yuns? Get over here, Ewans. I don't know. I've only ever heard yuns. Maybe one day we'll do just a whole, like, southern slang. lingo slang. Southern slang. Kind of yeah. And you know what? Half of them I wouldn't even know. Yeah, I'm not super great on slang, but I'll find, I'll, we'll find some friends. I have Yankee grandmothers. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, I'll, well, I'll, we'll phone a friend. It's going to be fine. Okay, we can do this. This is going to be great. Uh, so, you guys, please reach out um, to us. Thank you again, Texas, for listening. Mwah. We, we love, love you, Texas. Lone Star State. Woohoo! <laughs> um, even though you're not part of Appalachia, oh my gosh, we are so grateful for you yeah. uh, for you listening to us, and we're grateful for our other listeners. Make sure and tune in so that you get a special shout out, yeah. and even sh- give us an email so we know who you are and we can shout you out. Even if you send us an email and say, hey, I'm Doris from Stanford, Connecticut. Even if you email us and you're like, listen, I really don't like your podcast. You suck. That's okay. You know, that we, to- that's I fine. Mean, I'll cry for a little Just while. Just a little. We'll be a little upset. We'll probably have to call each other in process, but it's going to yeah, be all right. it's okay. We'll unpack those emotional bags while you tear us down verbally in an email. But at That's least you fine. emailed us. At least you emailed us. <laughs> and add a little bit more context than you suck. Well, we suck. Why? <laughs> Tell us why. We Tell like, us why we need to know. <laughs> you suck. Give us the details Holly. about why you don't like us. <laughs> Give us the details about why you hate Holly. Oh, my God. No, that can't be possible. Good night, mate. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.